0: Welcome to episode 47 of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com.
1: And I'm Sean German from 5MinutesOfLime.com. And our special guest today is a DJ out of KVMR and Harry Shearer superfan, Joyce Miller. Thank you for joining us, Joyce.
2: Thank you for asking me. It's a real honor to be here.
1: The honor is ours. (laughs)
2: We'll see about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, we can see how it works out at the end. But we are here to discuss Minute 47 of the movie. This is Spinal Tap. Minute 47 begins with Artie Fufkin continuing to make his introductions to the members of the band. We end with a record store owner trying to explain that business is terrible. And in between, room service arrives and the band attends a signing for uh, for their newly released album, Smell the Glove. So we start out here. We, we've talked a little bit about Artie Fufkin in the previous minute. But in this point, we get the, the official introduction for us. We get the little card pops up that says, Artie Fufkin, Polymer Records, Midwest Midwest Promotion. Midwest Promotion. Thank you. Easy for
0: you to say, buddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Artie's been making his way around the room, shaking hands, letting everybody know that uh, what a big fan he is. He goes way back with the band, a big tap fan. Uh, So I kind of said my piece last minute on Paul Schaefer and Artie Fufkin. I don't think we need to hear that again. But uh, so, so Joyce, what do you think about Artie here?
2: Well, one of the things about this minute is I... To me, it is one of the most like viscerally sort of disgusting minutes. <laughs> um, we've already been through the cold sores, and but just the greasiness of Artie Fufkin mm-hmm, and his mm-hmm. the shine coming off of his face is yep. just unbelievable, and the hair like somebody really had a good time. <laughs> and then you know we'll get into the whole nose blowing issue later. But I'm wondering, like, I don't know, I, it just brought up a lot of uh, questions for me. Why does Artie go for David right away? I was wondering about that. But I really wasn't privy to your discussion of minute 46. So right. uh, mm-hmm. I'm c- kind of coming in the middle here. Yeah, the thing I had noticed that someone posted something the other day saying, has anything in a movie ever made you physically ill? And this minute almost... <laughs>
1: <laughs> sent me
2: there just because Artie is so greasy.
0: Yeah, he really is. He's kind of like a greasy turtle, sort of a look. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that very specific sort of pervy, slightly John Waters ish kind mm-hmm. of. Not as sophisticated as John Waters, but you know, kind of a mustache and.
1: Yeah, so I've I've often I I'm 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 a fan of John Waters. Um, his look, his persona, and his his work as well, and his movies—they're all great. And I've often contemplated trying to grow a little thin mustache that that John o- often has, or I think always has these days. And then I watch this, and I think of Artie Fufkin, and that's just <laughs> when when the thin mustache goes wrong. If you just you know don't have the personality to pull it off, you know he's he's greasy and shiny in in appearance and in. You know, manner and personality as well. I think this is one of those cases where where the look fits the the outside matches the inside. He's That's as greasy true. inside it's as he appears metaphor. to be outside.
2: Yeah, the way he looks is just a perfect metaphor for how he acts. Also, you're correct.
0: Ugh. Yeah, I. He looks like somebody. What what kind of car do you guys think he drives? <laughs> oh i immediately thought of like a van you know <laughs> <laughs> a van that you avoid oh that kind
1: yeah, of I, van. <laughs> yeah yeah the, the one with no windows yeah i know, right. I know right. wow see i was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt i was thinking a uh, camaro mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah.
2: I, was, I was thinking maybe like the kind of car that Jimmy McGill drives on Better Call Saul. Oh,
0: an esteem. An <laughs> esteem.
2: With <laughs> the door that doesn't match. Yeah. You know, you know. Cause um I think Artie is is Artie's it's hard times for Artie, I think. Yeah.
0: No, and I love that that satin jacket. I really remember those from the eighties too. That mm-hmm. black satin jacket and the jeans and the yeah the whole look with the
1: t-shirt tucked <laughs> oh, in and I, I don't Jill, know
2: if you you know Paul Schaefer just put out a new release with the most dangerous mm-hmm. band in the world and they have recreated this scene. Oh they have? Are you aware of that? Yes. No. As a, oh, a no. robo yeah. For the album, there is a recreation of this scene with Paul Schaefer playing himself and then also playing Artie Fufkin.
0: Oh, great! (laughs) That's awesome. We'll definitely have to link to that.
2: Yeah. And he doesn't look any better, you know, 30 years later or however (laughs) years it's been. So. Artie Fuf- Fufkin has not aged well.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What's scarier thinking about the current Artie Fufkin or a 30 years on plus Artie Fufkin. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, this is, from this, Artie let's move. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the next thing uh, we have in this scene is uh, room service arrives and just like Mick was at the door to let Artie in. He's magically reappeared once again at the door. And uh, room service barges in and knocks something out of Mick's hand. And what? you mentioned the scene making you want to blow your nose. And I don't know if <laughs> this is the part you were referring to.
2: Um, yeah, that's, is it a vial of cocaine? Is that, what? what is it?
1: That's what I think it is. That that was what I thought, too. Yeah, small glass jar or vial with some kind of white powder that that gets knocked into Mick, and he seems very upset that his powder is spilled. My assumption is, yeah, Yeah. we're we're looking at cocaine here.
2: It's valuable. He (laughs) does not want to drop it.
0: No. no. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, dropping just imagining that if it's bobbled back there onto a slightly um, seedy hotel room carpet. <laughs> that is not any yeah. cocaine oh, I want to <laughs> deal with. No. Uh, so this
2: no, guy, yeah. No, go ahead, Sean, sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say, yeah, Any anything that touches, and I would say this, this hotel is maybe more than a little seedy, that anything that touches that floor is just, let it go. It's gone. <laughs> it's just, yeah.
2: Even if it's an expensive drug. Okay. Yes. So I am kind of, um, I don't know, flummoxed by this, the room service guy. Like, mm-hmm. what was... Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the, um, the work print that Sean has seen offers any clues to this person. Does this person ever show up in that? Because Archie Hahn is the mm-hmm. name of the actor. Um, it just seems so odd to me, this swishy guy kind of bursting in, and he's such a stereotype, and it's very odd to me.
1: No, I don't think there's anything additional on on this room service guy. There there's, isn't like a further scene of him hanging out in the band. And it's strange. So they're in Chicago. In the previous minute, we saw the um, you know the 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 sign out front of the Holiday Inn welcoming the uh, national company for the Whiz and Spinal Tap, and and the little little footnote said this is Chicago, Illinois. So when he he sees the band, he says, "Oh, civilization! Um, You know, it's not the Chicago isn't civilization ordinarily. They need a they need these rock and rollers from from England, so uh, yeah, I'm not. It uh, is yeah, kind of an interesting or, or peculiar character, and says some things. And I just want to mention it, for you mentioned that this, this is uh, Archie Hahn. Um, folks might recognize him from, or at least I recognized him from Amazon Women on the Moon, where he play where Archie plays Harvey Pitnick, Pitnick, um, and he is featured in the scene. Um, roast your loved one and he is the dead guy who is getting roasted okay. in that scene so the 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 fami- famous archie Hahn plays our, our room service guy but yeah i don't think there's any further deleted scenes or explanation on um maybe he's just hoping for a good tip he he maybe he just enters every room just uh pretending to be so happy to see the folks there
2: Or the hotel is so terrible that (laughs) these guys represent civilization. I don't don't know. The moment he came in the door, I had that thought of, oh, that guy. Like, I've seen him before. And then I, you know, you look the person up on IMDb and there's not one credit that you know them from. So it's like, where I have no idea where I know him from.
0: Yeah, you know, Brian said the same thing. He's like, oh, him, you know, him. And then we're kind of looking, oh, yeah, I mean, he's been in some stuff. But I think that's what's interesting is I think this movie in particular, like it just makes somebody an iconic character, even Mm -hmm. if you see them for five seconds. And and this is his time to shine. And I always remember – being fond, even though I didn't think that, oh, you know, thank God civilization never really made sense, but it was always entertaining and gave me a chuckle, you know, just mm-hmm. him being like, so enthusiastic. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. And he's just like, so stoked to be there and see everybody. And it, it's like his 15 minutes of fame in two seconds.
1: You know? Yeah. It yeah. Looks well, so- and and step.
2: Like a um, a younger, pudgier Greg Kinnear to me. Yes,
0: mm, yeah. yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and his hair's a little frosty, you know? <laughs> it's got a bit of a process on it, maybe.
1: <laughs> process.
0: <laughs> it's really, I don't know. I'm going to take a little, snap a little picture. I just paused it at 13 seconds in, and it it's just, like... I don't know. He's a nice contrast. Like his red jacket Mm -hmm. its fairly formal. And then there's a green, that sort of almost hospital ward green sort of cast to the door. That's, I guess, probably the bathroom door. And then Mick behind him bobbling that (laughs) cocaine. And it's, I don't know, he just, yeah, he just makes a splash, even though it doesn't really make sense. It's still... Entertaining, so that's might (laughs) that might be where you know him from. Is just you know him from this repeated
2: (laughs) viewings of this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. So speaking of repeated viewings of this movie. Uh, full disclosure, Joyce is my aunt, my aunt Joyce. Um, and I knew that she was a super fan of Harry Shearer and also enjoyed, you know, this movie and kind of knew a little bit more about the guys. So I was wondering what you can share about your experience regarding the Spinal Tap gang.
2: Okay. Well, Because I am a person of a certain age, my experience with them goes back quite a ways to when I was about, let me see, 13, growing up in Southern California, and there were three AM radio stations that all the teeny boppers listened to, KHJ, um, KFWB, and KRLA. And KRLA was um, located in Pasadena, and they had a news team. You know, this was back in the heyday of like Top 40 Radio. Mm -hmm. And they had this, some folks in their news department who decided that they wanted to do something a little bit different. And so they started doing little skits with the news. And they also had, there was a folk singer named Lynn Chandler who would write instant songs about the news and sing them on the air. And they would do all this stuff like really as the news was breaking. <laughs> and this was kind of during the heyday, you know, the Vietnam War and Nixon and a so real
1: catchy toe tapping news,
2: <laughs> exactly. And it was kind of like today, you know, when there's just we're experiencing kind of the same thing. There's just always some outrage, some new outrage, to write a folk song about um, or do a skit about. So at some point, Harry Shearer joined this group, and they um, called themselves the Credibility Gap. So they were like a sketch comedy news um, troupe, mm-hmm. And they did like, I don't know, two or three 10 minute skits a day wow. on, live on the radio. And then Michael McKeon was also part of that. And so was David L. Lander. Um, so it was the three of them. And then a guy named Richard Beebe. And there were various people coming and going, but the cre- credibility gap became quite well known in the LA area um, as a satirical sketch, radio, news, you know, it was just like nothing else that I'd ever heard. And I was a news junkie, and I loved music, and I loved satire. So it was
0: just... Just the trifecta
2: (laughs) of perfection. All my needs. And after a couple of years, that station, KRLA, they decided to go um, more top 40, and I think they got rid of the news department or they switched their news department into something else and so the credibility gap troupe went over to KPCC which was a Pasadena station and they were that, an FM station and they they were there for a while and they were sort of contemporaneous with the Firestein Theater was also on the Pacifica station mm-hmm. in Los Angeles so a lot of so they were constantly being compared to the Firesign Theater Anyway, that was my first—the first time I ever heard of Harry Shearer, and I kind of followed his career after that. Right before Spinal Tap, um, he started a show on this. This would have been in 1983, so several years later, he started a show on the KCRW, the radio station in Santa Monica. Le Show, which is still running, actually, even though you can't get it on that station anymore because they got rid of him. But um, but you can hear it on his website. Um, so his, And that was just a real normal outgrowth of the credibility gap. It's just like an updated version of the credibility gap. He does a lot of skits and songs and all that jazz. So when I heard that these people from the credibility gap were coming back to do this Rock and roll parody. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be the best thing ever." So I really I sought it out, and I can't remember yeah. if I if I think I saw, but I remember being very excited about it and trying to get other people excited about it. <laughs> 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 <What>? <laughs>
0: yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's great. I, I mean, that kind of reminds me of when I first started getting into podcasts and I was just like so into them and talked about them so voraciously and enthusiastically. And it was like people kind of giving me blank stares or saying, "What? what is a podcast again? Oh, <laughs> Luckily, you weren't one of those people because <laughs> you're cool and you listen to
2: podcasts. I'm a cool aunt. But if you... um. Uh, <laughs> If you go on Harry Shearer's website, you can. he has old recordings of The Credibility Gap, and there's a little bit of them on YouTube. They actually... Oh, I forgot to say what the most brilliant thing they did, and this has real resonance for people who grew up in Southern California and probably not other people in other parts of the country, but every year they would do an alternative broadcast of the Rose Parade on June. Oh, great. Great. And so you would have Harry Shearer, Michael McKeon, and David L. Lander doing, you know, describing the floats. And, and you know, <laughs> it, was, it was fabulous. I mean, to this day, I wake up on January 1st and think, oh, man, I wish the Credibility Gap was doing the Rose Parade because it was just brilliant. And there's actually, they actually released an album called Floats. That um, right. some of that information. That some of the those routines, but it was all done. It was improv, so it was oh, all done. awesome. Yeah, it is hilarious stuff. Great stuff. So,
0: what do you yeah. think it was? What would you say it was about Harry Shearer over all the other guys that that made you such a big fan of him specifically?
2: I just really loved news related stuff. You know, I ended up going into journalism. I read the, I started reading the newspaper. The newspaper was the first thing I ever read. I was just a total news junkie and still am to this day, even though newspapers don't really exist anymore. And I just always liked just that kind of mordant satire. Like he just is, he's can be kind of a nasty guy, you know? I mean, they did some, amazing parodies like he does the most amazing johnny carson that you've ever mm. heard in life it's it almost it's anyway that was one of the credibility gap routines but i just always thought he really got to the point of things and plus he's just such a great mimic
1: yeah those
2: yeah. things and i actually saw him in person in 1987 at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles. He did a three-man show with Paul Krasner, who is a comedian and started a magazine years ago called The Realist. He's kind of a 60s guy. And Peter Bergman from um, Firesign Theater. And then Harry. And they did a three-man show where they each did a third of the show. And I had to look this up because I couldn't, Obviously, could not remember. I knew I had seen him, but mm-hmm. he. Part of the show was, you know, three years after the movie came out. He, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to read you from this review: a shirtless British rocker named Derek, who's now into <laughs> Christian rock. Oh, <laughs> cool! So whoever wrote this did not make the Spinal Tap connection, obviously. right? But he was still. You know, portraying that character then as part of his show, so. he said of his former bandmates, "We're all into
0: hell, but from different perspectives." <laughs> cool, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that stuff. That's super interesting, and uh, yeah. And actually, thank when I one more thing about Harry Shearer. When
2: I worked yeah. at the Los Angeles Times, he wrote a column for. I was an editor at the Los Angeles Times Magazine, which is a now defunct um, publication. But he wrote a column, a weekly column for us, and it was called Man Bites Town. And one week, the regular editor was on vacation. So, they gave me the assignment of editing Harry. And I was like oh i'm too big of a fan i can't do this because i will have no critical perspective at all because i love him so much um, (laughs) so i did get to talk to him on the phone and edit him and it was you know it was a thrill
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome brushes with fame yes yeah. they are fun and kind of surreal mm-hmm. surreal little things i remember i got to when i had my parody fanzine teen meet and i got to interview exine Cervenka from x Oh my goodness. and it was so fun but i was just so kind of nervous the whole time and she was super sweet i mean i was just in the green room with her and she was being super friendly and sweet and conversational and it was, but yeah, it was like an outer out of body experience just hanging out with her. Cause like, I'm hanging out with Xen. Oh my God. You know?
2: <laughs> well, and the other thing, one more thing I can say about Harry Shear is I remember when I saw this is Spinal Tap the first time I thought there's not enough Harry in this movie. Like how mm-hmm. come has <laughs> the second, you know, but it's funny mm-hmm. because even as I was always a George fan, you know, of the mm-hmm. Beatles, and it was the same thing. It was, it was just I was repeating that same. <laughs> it's like David and Nigel get all the attention, just <laughs> at all. There's not enough Harry in this movie, you know. So yeah. I liked all the scenes where he was the focus, but then when I saw this nose blowing scene, I was like, well, maybe that's enough Harry for it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he certainly yeah. Gets, uh, is focused
0: yeah that's a good segue but i will say before we segue that yeah several of our guests have said that he's the mvp or their favorite character or favorite part so you're not alone in that in that um appreciation of of harry that's comforting (laughs) so yeah speaking of that that's definitely my least favorite part of this minute (laughs) but we do get to move into this um signing at the record shop we've got a nice cut out of the ga- the guys and um, um the moment that it switches to the
2: record store there's just complete silence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Boom. yes a deafening silence yeah and i think that the the groupie gals are interspersed Maybe in the background, maybe there's a few people looking at records or something that we might come across in a later minute or something. But right here, we just, yes, deafening silence. David looks pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Nigel looks uninterested, bored. What do you guys think of this minute, this part of the minute? Things have gotten really
2: bad. Yeah. And this yeah. is another thing that argues for the that, the cocaine, aspect. right? Um, you know, he either caught something from a groupie, or um, or maybe he tried
0: sniffing that up from the rug, and he's got all sorts of rug rug yeah. remnants all up in that schnoz.
1: <laughs> well, and he's showing like just no. You know, no sense of like, well, maybe I should go off to the side or leave the room or something to to work out my my nasal issues. He's just going to sit at the table and kind of work at this problem in fr- in front of everybody.
2: Yeah, and he, and he, yeah, he doesn't seem to have any compunction about that at all, which tells us a lot about his character, I guess.
1: Yeah, we do see. Uh, Viv is decked out in quite splendor. And one of the things we did get to speak with uh, David Caffinetti uh, in a, a previous special episode of Spinal Tap Minute. And, and one thing David said is he did try to wear red whenever possible, just so he would be e- easy to spot on screen. <laughs> and we can, you know, he's he's partially hidden by by David in white, but we can definitely pick, uh, pick Viv out in a crowd. He is very red.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he really pops off of these... <laughs> layers and layers and layers of the the album behind the black yeah there's just a a wall of of
1: black the
0: 599
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah if there was any question of you know just how bad an idea uh is this black album when when you look at this at, at first look i wasn't sure that there was an album you just see the the little you know, price stickers with five ninety nine. You kind of got to look closely to to see that there's actually something there on the shelf. It is, took uh...
2: several viewers <laughs>
0: to realize that that was the album. Yeah. yeah. I don't know it it really blends into the background. Yeah. It takes watching a movie like this one minute <laughs> at a time. I'd never really noticed that before until we started doing this. And then, and also... The, the section that they're in are all the remainders all the cutouts so it's like the bargain section of the record shop too
1: yeah so the whole in when we when it switches over to show uh, already talking with the I guess the manager of the store yeah they're all cutouts and you can actually see the notches on the side <laughs> of the album so they're and, and another thing kind of I I wonder if it's related to that. I did a little research on what was the going price for an LP in 1984 when this was filmed, or, an, or yeah. sorry, 82 when it was filmed, or 84 when it was released. And the numbers I found was, uh, or were in 82, the average price or the suggested retail price of an album was 7.98, and then in 84 it was 8.98. So for 82, they're 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 at a significant discount of kind of the going price. And uh, I don't know if that's it, you know, maybe they're just discounting it because it's new and they're trying to get people in, you know, for the, the latest release, or if that's an indication of uh, maybe tied into why they're in this cut, in the cutout section and that they're already being discounted even as a new release.
2: Well, and this is a independent record store, right? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. right. It's not a tower or whatever. I spent so many hours of my teenhood in places (laughs) like this, believe me. And they all kind of look alike. I wanted to go back to the movie High Fidelity and see if it was the same record store. Right. Yeah.
0: But just those bin dividers and all that. Right. That plastic, white plastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in a lot of places that look just like this,
0: and then yeah, the- they all do kind of look alike, and and you can kind of imagine what your what it feels like under your fingers to be rifling through the records and the smell, the smells, the sights, the sounds, and the smells.
2: <laughs> the and then the guy Charles Levin or whatever his name is, the dude mm-hmm. is the record store. He's another one of those. Wait, I know that guy. Guys, mm-hmm. so familiar. yeah, he,
1: yeah. The the two big things on his resume that I picked out was uh, he was in Hill Street Blues and NYPD Blue, so he that's, works blue a lot.
2: <clears throat> that's definitely where I know him from. Pop shows, yeah, you know.
0: yeah, and he's got that interesting little vest, <laughs> a little puffer jacket, like a mini puffer jacket <laughs> down <laughs> to the vest and is
2: wait is artie artie Fuffkin wearing a different baseball yes vest?
1: yes a oh, different shiny jacket
0: and it's pink, pink satiny pink <laughs> oh, dear. kind of uh yeah pinky tuscadero or the pink ladies well, I,
1: was, I, I was thinking like yeah frenchie from uh greece yes might wear, yeah. <laughs> might wear that
0: yeah totally yeah and he's got a different spinal tap t-shirt and then some sort of some sort of gold necklace it looks like too so and his man purse
1: Yeah, i think it's the same man purse
0: (laughs) yeah yeah his accessory the dad jeans and his jazz dad jeans (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's quite a look yeah it's really interesting um yeah, that's a bit of a gender fluid look, I'd say. <laughs> well, is there anything else specific to this? I I think I've said everything I have to
1: say. I do have one little thing f- from this uh record store scene and it's it's from the deleted scenes and it's the one case where I think uh I think they might have been better off leaving it in. Hmm. And so we we see the guys waiting around, no one has shown up. There is a deleted scene of of a fan who does who actually shows up to get their record signed and the guys sign it, uh, the guys in the band, and the fan gets his record back and complains that he can't see the signatures cuz they're they're signing in black pen on this all black <laughs> cover. And <laughs> and the, the band's trying to say well if you hold it up to the light if you angle it and and the guy's just like i can't what good is this you know you've ruined my record and and no one can tell that it's signed <laughs> so i thought that was funny i thought that way you know would have been nice to include but instead they just went with nobody showing up
0: well,
2: you'll have to look in on the 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 recreation of this that Paul Schaefer did. Um, there is an actual fan signing in that one, but I won't spoil it for you. Cool.
1: Yeah, so we'll definitely look that up, and we'll uh, we'll put a link to it on our website. Okay, That's dot
0: Sounds good. Well, speaking of SpinalTapMinute.com, <laughs> so we hope you've enjoyed episode 47. And yeah, we'll fill the, um, the show notes and the website uh, with all these links and things. So we'll do that. And uh, you can find that all, as previously mentioned, SpinalTapMinute.com.
1: And you can also join the conversation on our Facebook listeners group, and that's the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge. So you can chat with us and and other fans with the show, and we talk about all things Spinal Tap. And so, Joyce, do you have any plugs if if folks want to hear more from you?
2: Um, I'm a broadcaster at KVMR, and they're here in Nevada City. I live in Grass Valley, California, and they're in the next town over, and they're a true community radio station with not a corporate radio station. Mm -hmm. And um, I think watching, as a lot of your guests have said, this movie is such a look into the past you know, and how things used to be, and I have just been such a big radio fan all my life, and it's so exciting for me to be a broadcaster on a radio station, although it's a little bit bittersweet because, you know, we're kind of seeing radio go by the wayside, Um, but KVMR is going strong and we Mm -hmm. just had our best membership drive ever. So I have a show there that is on, well, I'm on various shows on the station, but on the second Thursday of the month from eight to 10 PM Pacific time, I have a show it's called midnight sun and it is music from the Nordic countries. So Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Iceland, and Finland. Um, and that can be streamed at kvmr.org.
1: All right. Sweet. Sounds great.
0: Yeah. And that radio station just was pivotal for me growing up in that area. So so people have heard me talk about, you know, living in Sacramento, but I actually did live up in the Grass Valley area for junior high and most of high school. So that was the late 70s and into the 80s. And the progressive, you know, DJs there were really great at playing interesting, cool, you know, new wave and weird stuff. And we used to listen to two different shows when I was in high school. One was called New Wave Plus, and another one was called Black Vinyl. And the hosts of those shows would let us, you know, we'd call in and make requests based on things we'd heard about me and my girlfriends, Penny and Amy, you know, different artists that we'd read about in magazines and stuff. So they were really great at taking our requests if they had the stuff available and then turning us on to all sorts of cool, interesting stuff that we were definitely not going to hear on the conventional uh, radio station. So... Go KVMR. Definitely a a one-of-a-kind
2: radio station, and it's still going strong after almost 40 years.
1: Super cool. Super, yeah. All right, well, thank you very much, Joyce, for joining us for Minute 47. Uh, And thank you all the kind people out there in podcast land for joining us today. And please come back and join us again tomorrow. But until next time, and so say all of us, Tap into, into America. America. Now, if I if I can jump in with, with a question, yeah, building on something you said, is that you know like wearing the shirt of the band you're going to see? Is is that a faux pas? Is that a mistake?